Romans 8, verses 13 through 17 today. Romans 8, 13 through 17. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, I pray that just that you would just pour out your spirit upon us. That the Holy Spirit would come and enlighten us according to the truths found in your great word. Draw us all close to yourself, Father. Help us that we all may know you and know you more. Help us, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Now, for the, for the last several weeks, we've been focusing on that portion of verse 13 that said, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. We've camped out there for quite a while um, to be killing sin. And this, as we've talked about, is not to be done in our own strength, but rather by the Spirit. By the Spirit, be killing sin. And I've asked this question every Sunday for several weeks, and what is the weapon of the Holy Spirit? It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. That's Ephesians 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So to kill sin in our lives, to fight the good fight of faith, we must, must be taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Bible. We must set our gaze, fix our eyes on the Word of God. Uh, the Tozer, uh, we read, so that we might have a blessed mental reflex. That, that we would keep the word of truth ever before our eyes. To have the word of God even hidden in our heart. And why would we want to do that? So that we might not what? Sin against God. That's Psalms 119 verse 11. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So by the Spirit be putting to death the deeds of the body using the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Now, I just want to bring this up and, and, and just so that we would know this and we would all understand this. I want us to understand that the Holy Spirit is not a weapon that we wield. The Holy Spirit is not a weapon. The Holy Spirit is a person. Do we get that? We don't wield the Holy Spirit. We wield the sword. We hold the sword. The Spirit is holding us. 
The Holy Spirit, a person, the third person of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus said he would pray the Father to send, to be a helper, to be a comforter for us. I believe we read this a few weeks ago, but let's remind ourselves in John 14, verse 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may... Abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now let me let me pause there for just a minute. See, those who are still dead in their trespasses and sins do not have the Holy Spirit. They are spiritually dead. They cannot discern spiritual things. So again, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. Now who's the you? This is the born again. This this is those who have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. But you know Him, for He dwells with, uh, with you and will be in you. Child of God, never forget that. Who dwells in us? The, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the, the Spirit of truth. In John 16, if we will go down a little bit further in, in the Gospel of John, John 16, verse 13 through 15. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I say that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit declares to us the things of Christ, the things of the Father. And these things, these these declarations, we have here in the Bible, in the word of truth. And so the Holy Spirit declares to us the truths found in the Bible. The the Holy Spirit illuminates us to the Scriptures, to what we have read, to what we have heard preached, to what we have heard taught. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and illuminates the Word. Now let me ask this. Can the Holy Spirit illuminate the Scripture that we are not reading? Let's think about that. Can the Holy Spirit illuminate scripture that we are not reading or that we are not in. Perhaps we're hearing it. See, there's a personal responsibility here, isn't there? And we've talked about this. We're called to take up the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't do that for us. I guess that's kind of where I was going a while ago when I said what I said. We don't take up the Spirit. The Spirit is in us. We take up the sword of the Spirit, and then the sword of the Spirit brings that truth to us that we might understand it. So we take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, so that the Spirit might open to us the truths that are found within. See, the Holy Spirit is that helper sent by God that we might know the truth, know God's Word. Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 19. This wondrous prayer of the Apostle Paul. 
to the church at Ephesus, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. We read the Word. The Holy Spirit helps us discern. The Holy Spirit illuminates, enlightens us to the truth that's found within that we might know the hope of His calling, that we might know the riches of His glory of His inheritance to the saints, that we might know His exceeding greatness. Am I okay here? The Holy Spirit, the Word of Truth. And just a reminder, every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit, yes? Yes. We didn't read it, but let's read it now. Romans 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh. Now, now you understand, you'll remember that he's talking about uh, spiritual identity here. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So every born-again believer has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Those who are yet lost, dead in their trespasses and sins, do not. So this we know. The true born-again believer has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And we've talked about that indwelling Spirit being a differentiating mark between a believer and an unbeliever. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. They are not saved. They are not born again. They are not born of the Spirit. They are yet only a child of the flesh. Now let's remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So every born-again believer has the Spirit of God dwelling in them. And I believe we talked about this a a few weeks ago. Uh, What does that mean, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Well, that word for dwell in the Greek is okio, and it comes from the Greek word for house. And so it means that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has made you, child of God, His Home, his home. He has become a permanent residence. Permanent. Do you get that? This is where he resides. This is his home. So, child of God, do you know who you are? Do you know who resides in you? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Child of God, we were bought at a price. And what was that price? The death of God's only begotten Son upon the cross. That that was the price. So may we know this. That the Spirit of God dwells in you, child of God. He has made His home in you. 
Now, let's go back to Romans 13 and 14. So if you'd put that back up. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, here's what I want to do. I want us to keep verse 14 in context with what Paul is saying. Because people, you know, we could talk about being led by the Spirit. We, we can talk about it in, in many, many aspects of how he leads us. But what is Paul talking about here in this context? If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for, and I'm going to pause on that little word, that little conjunction for, for just a minute. It, it is there pointing back. It is assigning a reason or explanation to what has just been stated. It has the meaning of because. Or if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for or because all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So in this particular context, context, let's, let's keep it in its context. What does the Spirit of God lead the sons of God, the children of God to do? Put to death the deeds of the body. That's what he's, in this context, that is what the Spirit is leading us to do, to be killing to sin, to be putting to death the deeds of the body. The Spirit of God is our helper for us to take the sword, the Word of God, and to be about the work of killing sin in our lives. This is the mark of a true believer, an evidence that you are a true child of God. Are you about the business or about the, the work of killing sin in your life? There is a pairing between verses 13 and 14. For, because, or since we are led by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. For, because, or since we are a child of God, we will live. So there's a pairing going on between these two verses when you keep them in the context. Piper states it this way. Quote, in other words, the evidence that we are the children of God is that the Holy Spirit confirms His presence by leading us into war with our sin. The children of God hate sin. The children of God have the values and priorities and preferences and tastes of their Father. They are chips off the old block, as it were. And the reason they share these traits of God their Father is because they have the Spirit who leads them this way. He gives them the new tastes, the new preferences, and the new values, and the new pleasures. And so the evidence of our sonship is, do we fight sin in our lives? It's an evidence that we are born again, that we have the Spirit in us. Because that's one of the works, one of the leading leadings that the Holy Spirit does. Leads us to fight sin in our lives. Now, let's do this. Let's add verse 15. So Chase put up 13 through 15. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So how does being led by the Spirit of God in verse 14 mean that we are children of God? Well, verse 15 explains. It is because we have received the spirit of adoption. This adoption is a transaction carried out by our Heavenly Father. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, some of you have probably read some of him throughout the years, uh, had this to say about this term adoption of sons in reference to as it the meaning in Romans uh, or Paul's day in the Roman world. Quote, In the Roman world of the first century A.D., an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He was in no way inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature and might well enjoy the father's affection more fully and reproduce the father's character more worthily. Now, in this church, we know about adoption, don't we? Many adopted children in this church and having come through this church. And, and so uh, let me read again from Piper. If you're an adopted child, Piper says, know that you are loved by your parents with a deep, true, unshakable love just as much or more than if you had been born into your family. And that is the way it is with God. This reality of adoption is a massive, firm, legal reality. And it is a deep, strong, full-hearted, emotional reality. When the Holy Spirit is called in verse 15, the spirit of adoption, the meaning is the spirit confirms and makes real to you this great legal transaction of adoption. If you have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you have confessed your sins and trusted Christ, having received Him as your Lord and Savior, then you are adopted. End quote. Part of the family of God. Having confessed your sin, having trusted Christ, having received Him. You know, John 1, verse 12. But as many as received Him, Christ... To them, He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name, to be adopted. Having received Christ, we're adopted into the family of God. That, in that adoption, you are a child of God. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Why would He do such a thing? Verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law that we, now listen, listen, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Child of God, do you get the depths of that? No longer a slave, but a son. 
And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Do you understand? Can you even begin to comprehend the great love? And we have the Spirit of Christ in us to confirm and make real our adoption. That's another work of the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of Christ in us to confirm and make real our adoption. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So do you see what's happening in verse 15? You have the fear of a slave toward a slave master replaced with the love of a son toward a father. He is contrasting the fear of a slave with the affection of a son. You do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have received the spirit of adoption. So, a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to change our fears of a slave toward a slave master into joy and affection for God as our Father. Read another Piper quote. Can you tell? I read and listened to a bunch of him this week. Quote, How does the Spirit move us and enable us to put to death the deeds of the body to kill sin? Answer, For he, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. The Spirit does not lead by stirring up slavish fear. He leads by stirring up family affection. He does not get you to kill sin by making you a slave who acts out of fear, but by making you a son who acts out of faith and affection. He does it by making real to us the truth of our adoption, end quote. Do you see what he's saying? We have such a great affection for our Father, That we want to get rid of any sin that's in our life. That's what he's saying. Because our great affection for him who loved us. How can we walk in sin any longer? Why would we ever want to? Why would we ever succumb to that? Having a great affection for our Heavenly Father who has adopted us into his family. Remember Romans 5, verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The multitude of the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes? The multitude of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's it's the Holy Spirit who's come and poured God's love out into our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that opened our blinded eyes. The love of God poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is a real, present experience. It's it's not just an idea. It's not some future something or promise. It is something that happens in true born-again believers. The love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
And this is that spirit of adoption making real to us the love of our Father, applying it to us so that we might know, that we might know that we are loved with a divine love, a redeeming love. How do you know that? And you give thanks for that every day. You receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. See, because of this adoption, the Spirit brings about a response in our hearts to the love of our Heavenly Father that cries out, Abba, Father. So, so let's look at verses 15 and 16 together. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, the testimony of the, and the witness of the Holy Spirit within us is that we cry out, Abba, Father. That's an evidence that we are truly born again. Do you know that God is your Father? Does the Spirit bear witness with your spirit so that you cry out, Abba, Father. This is a deep, affectionate, personal, authentic response to God's fatherly love. This is not merely a statement. This is a cry. An irrepressible cry, Abba, Father. It is an expression of immense delight that we are a child of God. It is an expression of thankfulness and gratitude for receiving such a great love and such a great salvation. That the Spirit of God that is in us, the Spirit of adoption would cause us, bearing witness with our spirit, that we are a child of God, in which we respond by saying, Abba, Father, thank you, Father. Thank you for such love that one day you reached down to me, that you drew me to yourself, that you had the Holy Spirit come and pour your love into me. Thank you for saving me and making me your own, your child are you his child today do you have the holy spirit in you that will bear witness that you are a child of god because the holy spirit every every born again believer has a spirit amen and so that spirit of adoption that that is in us will bear witness to us of our adoption. Amen? Yes. Are you His child? Well, I think so. No, so. If the Spirit of God is in you, you will know so. And if you're wavering in unbelief, pray. And ask God to overwhelm you with the power of the Holy Spirit that you might know the spirit of adoption by which you have been called a child of God. 
John 3, verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I've said it many times over the past several weeks since we've gotten into chapter 8. For those who are in Christ, there is therefore now what? No condemnation. But for those apart from Christ, there is only Condemnation. Only condemnation waiting then. The born-again believer has eternal life. The unbeliever has wrath and everlasting death awaiting them. John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the gospel message, (laughs) Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb to give his life a ransom for many, to pay in full the penalty of sin for all who would believe. By faith, believe and receive Jesus Christ. Confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Repent of your sins and turn and follow Him. By grace through faith, be saved. The Holy Spirit will come and pour God's love into your heart. And if you are truly saved, you will know. Because the spirit of adoption will be there bearing witness of that transaction. Romans 10 verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Saved from wrath. Saved from wrath. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. It's the Word of truth. And we give thanks that the Spirit of truth has has come and revealed that to every child of God that's here and that is listening to this. And Father, for for all who are your children, I pray that you would help us to always remember that, that you have granted to us adoption. And this adoption is everlasting. 
It is permanent. It can never be revoked. It is a great love. Now, Father, we give you thanks. And I pray, Father, that you would help us all to have a hunger and thirst for your word. That we would all understand that there's a personal responsibility upon all of us to take the word and read it, listen to it, meditate on it day and night, so that the, the, the Holy Spirit in us can, can illuminate it, can enlighten us to its truths, that we might know who we are, that we might know who you are, that we might know more of your great love and your great and precious promises. And Father, if, if there should be someone even here or, or someone who may listen to this at a later time who is, who is yet lost in their sin, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray that you would send a, the spirit of adoption to them that the eyes of their understanding would be opened, enlightened. And in that moment, they're going to see you holy, righteous, above all. And they're going to see themselves a sinner before the God of all creation. And Father, when the reality of that sinks in for even a split second, they will tremble before you. And Father, then I pray that in your mercy and love that you would take that fear and turn it to joy as you show them the rescue in Jesus Christ. And Father, that you would grant them faith that they might believe, that you would grant them repentance as they fall before you, confessing their sins, believing in Christ, and receiving Him. And then, Father, remind them and help us to know every day of how much we are loved. Help us to know. And, and we know because your Word has told us that that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of adoption is in us to be there, to remind us of our great adoption. So, Father, help us every day. Cause us in some way to be reminded of how thankful we should be for such a great salvation. That's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.